Thank you, Lydia. Um, yeah, just to um, say that last week we had a, an amazing time at Dad's Camp. That's not the word I have this morning, but it's, uh, it was a really good time. Um, we were all blessed. It rained a little bit on the Saturday morning, but then by about Saturday lunchtime, the sun was shining, and uh, it was really amazing. There were 10, 10 dads that came and 14 kids, um, and not only that, 14 kids went home, which is amazing. We didn't lose any children. That's what a testimony. Delhi was there. Yes, amen from Delhi. We, we survived without the mums. It was good. A really, really good time. Um, but just, yeah, thank you, and just, yeah, that's, that's once a year, and mums can have them for the rest of the year. Um, hey, what an amazing time we've had already um, this morning. God has really, I believe, done something significant in us um, and through us this morning. Really, really powerful time. Um, I'm just thoroughly blessed that God, you know, fantastic words from Dave, from Sumbo, um, Yutundi, just that, that prayer that came, you know, just, I really felt there was a real breakthrough this morning, just, a, just felt, yeah, just a sense of deliverance, um, which um, absolutely amazing, and um, a, a lot of what I want to talk about, I really felt this week to um, share a bit of my testimony about where I've lived in fear and saw breakthroughs, it's amazing that that's already come, um, and we can continue to um, just see God minister to us to see not only because sometimes we can have a, a, a breakthrough and we can see a deliverance, but it's living out that deliverance, isn't it? It's living into that freedom. So hopefully, what I have to share this morning will help and equip us into how we can actually walk into that freedom, walk into that love of God, um, once we've cast off that fear. Um, so yeah, I want to start this morning in Acts chapter two and verse one. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. I'm reading from the um, NIV. Uh, Verses 1 to 4. It says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Um, So this, one of my favorite scriptures, um, verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. An amazing milestone in Christianity. And um, when we read back, and Kofo touched on this in Acts chapter 1, that Jesus had instructed them and said, wait here, wait in Jerusalem for the promised Holy Spirit. The Spirit's coming is going to fill you with power to be my witnesses. So wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come. And so that's what they did. They responded to that instruction. They're together. They're in this house. They're in this place. They've all come together. And they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And then we see there, verse 4, that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And, um, and it, it wasn't just that. It, it starts by saying suddenly there, there was a, a, a blowing of a violent wind that came and filled the house. And I know if that was me and I'm waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, for me, if, if I'm in my home and the violent, this violent wind comes through the house, for me, that would be enough. That just verse two alone, if it just stopped there and the house filled with some amazing presence, um, some amazing experience of God, um, I would be converted, I'd be ready, I'd be ready to go out and preach the gospel. And it goes on, it says that the flames came, so not only was this sound of a violent wind rushing through the house, it says that there were flames that came, separated, and rest on each of them. 
Again, I would be, I'd be settled at that. You know, ne- never mind verse four. Verse three, flames came on them um, and an amazing experience. And that was quite typical. That was something that they were used to. Back through the Old Testament, we see, don't we, that the Holy Spirit came upon Samson, came upon, the, um, the anointing was anointed on, on top of David, onto him. And so there are many experiences in the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit came on people for um, specific times and specific seasons. So I can imagine the disciples being in that room. The Holy Spirit comes on them in the form of a flame and they're ready, they're prepared, but it doesn't stop there, does it? Verse four, so not only the wind, not only the flames of fire, verse four says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So not only did the Holy Spirit come upon them, he came and filled them. He immersed them in the very um, God himself. The very presence of God filled them up. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, It's a fantastic passage of scripture. All of them were filled. Not just the disciples, not just Peter, James, and John. But everyone who was present, it says, were filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, And so verse 4, it goes on. It says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it says, and they began to speak. And they began to speak. So this great move of God that catapulted the church into this new dimension of power and grace. This milestone, not just in Christianity, but throughout eternity. This milestone of the Holy Spirit filling his people. The fulfillment of the many prophetic voices from generations past. And that a time would come when the Spirit of God would fill the people of God. It's here, it happens in verse four. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the first thing they do, the very first thing, very first response of being filled with the Holy Spirit, it says they begin to speak. They open their mouths and they make an utterance. Their hearts are filled with something so precious, so magnificent, they can't help but speak something out. They, we see that they, that they begin to speak in tongues. They use that spiritual language that God gives them. They worship and praise. Peter uses his voice. He preached the gospel and 3,000 are added to them. They are baptized in the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak. Let me ask you, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Have you ever spoken in tongues? Maybe you have been baptized, maybe you do speak in tongues, but is your heart being continually filled with the Holy Spirit? Or is there a desire for more? I believe there's a desire for more this morning. We've already seen a response, haven't we, of people responding to saying, yes, I want something of God. Ephesians 5 tells us, don't it, to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that your desire this morning? That maybe you've had that infilling, that want infilling, but the desire to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus puts it like this in Luke um, chapter 6 and verse 45. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And that's my message this morning essentially is that the mouth speaks. But to really grasp what comes out of our mouth, we have to understand what's in our heart. To make a difference in the culture around us, we have to ensure there's a healthy culture in our hearts. And it's um, been so amazing this morning to already see people's heart and hunger and say, I want to be filled with more of God, more of God's peace, more of God's love that casts out all fears, more of God in me that makes a difference to what I say. We've already sung it this morning, over fear, over lies, we're singing the truth. Um, 
Yeah, when our kids were younger, um, when they were really small and they were learning to talk, it was a really exciting um, season um, when they were just babies, they were just, you know, Rosie and I were like, what's, what's the first word going to be? What's, what's the first word that's going to come out of their mouth? And we had a little competition going, is it going to be mama, is it going to be daddy, trying to put them to a side and trying to equip them to say daddy for the first time or say mummy for the first time. What's going to be the first word? Eli, our eldest, one of his first words was biscuit. It's, it's still, still one of his favorite words today, in fact. But, but now it's very different. They're older, and they know how to talk. And they can say a lot of things. Um, some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. Some of them are quite bad, in fact. Um, and one of the hardest things we're doing at the moment as a parent, just in this season of life, is trying to help them in what they're saying and um, there's just so many funny and profound things that we could say, and we, uh, you know, stories I could tell you about our kids saying. I haven't got time to, to tell you them all, but let me tell you two that happened in this week alone, just this week alone. I was in the park with little Naomi, three years old, and we're walking past this um, big land cruiser, and there's a bloke, a burly bloke. He's on top of it, and he's strapping down these, these um, gardening tools, and he's got this long hair and a ponytail, and he's just, you know, he's strapping these tools down. He's on top of the van. And uh, Naomi goes past and goes, ooh, look at that lady. And I'm like, oh, no. So embarrassing. So I had to quickly like, scoop her up, make a quick exit into the playground, hoping. I mean, it, it was in earshot. I'm pretty confident he heard it. Um, but I was like, I'm just going to go before this escalates. The other morning, Gideon, Rosie, came into the living room. And Gideon is he's on his own with Barney. Barney's not one of our kids. He's a cat. He's a pet. And um, they're just relaxing on the sofa, and Rosie, wa- Rosie walks in and catches him, telling him all about God. He's like, I don't know if he's trying to convert him, or... I know Rosie's talked about baptizing the pets before. We won't go into that uh, doctrine. But she's like, yeah, he was just explaining, you know, who God is, and so I'm not sure if it's going in. I'm not sure if, if, if that's as bad as when I've caught the three of them taking it in terms to practice speaking in tongues. I don't know which one's as interesting. Um, but as well as all that, you know, there are often there's unkind words that they say to one another, um, or the disrespectful words that they say to me and mom, um, or the thing, the phrases that they can come home from school with, and it's like, what on earth did you hear that? Where have you got that from? Um, they've recently understood what um, allergies were, and so you would not believe how many fruit and veg that they're currently allergic to. <laughs> it's incredible. Gideon told me he's allergic to shampoo the other day. All these words they're speaking, um, and it, it's such a job to try and control what they're saying, trying to constantly telling them off, you shouldn't be saying that, that's naughty, you need to apologize um, all the time. Just, and for me, I can be very reactive in the moment when I hear something, no, you shouldn't say that, go to, your stairs, go to the stairs, you need to apologize, you need to seek forgiveness. Um, it's true, you, you laugh, but this is my life. What we've realized is, I'm getting to the point, what we realize is, instead of focusing on that reactive aspect of constantly telling them off, telling them what they shouldn't be doing. What we do now, what we try and work on, is actually communicate the importance of being kind, the importance of having filters of what's appropriate to say in what setting. If we can get those core values in their hearts, if we can um, work on filling their hearts with good and godly principles, then what they say will look after itself. That's the strategy, it's a work in progress, but we've realized there's an important principle in that. Beginning to understand that what's in our, if we can, what's in our hearts is filled up 
um, with the things of God, is if the Holy Spirit is filling our hearts, then it affects what we speak. It affects what we say from what's in our heart. You see, the, the nature of the prophetic is someone who is filled with the Spirit of God, someone who is filled with the love of God. Someone's heart is so full of God and begins to speak it out and begins to give it to God, to, to be able to speak over somebody what God has laid on your heart. We've already seen that this morning. Therefore, that can make you prophetic, someone with a spirit-filled heart and a willing voice. You can be part of that sound that is getting louder, that sound that is getting greater, that sound that is getting bolder. Your voice joining with the sound of the church across this city of people so filled with the Holy Spirit, so filled with the heart of God that it's spilling over, that it's overflowing, worship coming out, praise coming out, hearts so full of God that prophetic declarations are spoken from our lips. Your voice is part of that prophetic sound echoing across this city and ushering in the kingdom. So yeah, just a little bit of um, my testimony, which is really in line with what we've already seen happen um, with God ministering to us this morning. So before I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I was terrified of my own voice. Um, Really, really scared, really afraid of my own voice. And when I was a young boy, I was very timid, extremely reluctant to contribute to to conversations or um, be able to speak out. So in social um, places or in in certainly larger groups, um, it was could be excruciatingly awkward, really hard to be able to engage in a conversation. People would even ask me questions point blank, and I'd really struggle to be able to speak to them. Just really scared, really living in fear of my own voice. And um, even over the last few years, God has shown me times in my childhood or pinpoints um, where I've had flashbacks, where God has showed me specific times where I was under some sort of demonic oppression, where I could really sense that there was um, just something in the room or something holding me back. It's like a presence or a force that was literally preventing me from being able to open my mouth, even for simple things. But, you know, it was something God was showing me that there were times, even as I was growing up, where I was under attack um, from um, this fear that was holding me back, this fear that, was, that had gripped me um, and that came through all right way through uh, my teenage years. And then at about 19, I was um, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and uh, an amazing moment for my Christian walk, uh, amazing night. I haven't got time to go into it now, but just, it was a significant time for me. I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and, um, and, and so after that, um, I, I was involved a lot more in, in, in my Christian life, so I was, I, my attendance at prayer meetings were more, my attendance at meetings were more, but still there was elements of that fear that was still in me. There were still some fears of rejection, fears that my voice wasn't significant enough, or um, fears that were just holding me back and still preventing me um, from being able to contribute or be a part of everything God had called me to be. And so I was still being held back. Um, and I had a desire there. It was in there. It was in my heart. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, but I just couldn't convert that desire to actually contribute or maybe pray out in a meeting and certainly not contribute and certainly not be able to stand here in front of a crowd of people. Um, you know, no, I just couldn't do anything like that. So I would attend meetings and I'd know how to put on all the Christian stances. So I'd just hide in the background and I'd be like, you know, be able to say amen in all the right places and just be able to coast through my Christian walk um, and just be able to to be able to get 
get through it and just think, well, maybe that's just for me. I'll just hide in the back. No one will notice. I'll put my hands up at the right time, say amen or hallelujah at the right places, and no one will notice. And then there was this one time where we're downstairs on the ground floor, and we're, it's an early morning prayer meeting. There's about 25, 30 people there. We're in you know, one of those holy huddles where we're all, all together looking at each other praying. And it's coming towards the end. And Graham Deacon, who was um, the, the elder at the time of the church, and for a season he was an amazing um, mentor and um, disciple to me um, in that season. And so he looks across the, the room at me, and he says, right at the end, in front of everyone, he says, Daniel, you need to pray out. And I'm like, oh no, someone's found me out. I was hiding in the background. So, you know, I absolutely petrified. And then Richard was there as well, good old Richard. And so he then goes, oh, I've got an idea. Daniel, why don't you close the meeting in prayer? And I'm like, oh no, Richard, what have you done? Um, so I can't remember what I prayed that day. I I'm pretty sure it wasn't heretical, um, but I prayed something. I just blurted it out, got it out there. Um, and and that, was, that was my life, that, that fear. Even though I was filled with the Holy Spirit, there was still fear, similar to you know, maybe a lot of people here that we've seen responses to different things where, the, where the, the forces of the enemy can come and just hold us back and prevent us from things rather than walking and living in the freedom that God's got for us. Um, and so there was this, this um, other person who, um, again, really helped me with this. Um, and again, I really felt just to share this because, you know, and I'm really gl glad it's here and it's in my notes and I've remembered because it, you know, God's obviously doing something with us in terms of just equipping us and saying, here's how not to live in fear. Here's how to really truly be set free, not just a one-time thing, but actually living it out in the everyday. Um, and so, yeah, this one guy, again, he had obviously noticed that I um, was still battling with this. I just thought, you know, it's okay, no one noticed. But he could obviously see there was this internal battle going on. And so he sits me down one day and says, oh, you know, I've noticed you're not, you don't pray out. And so we just had this conversation. And, and so he gave me some really good advice. You'll probably think it's really simple, but for me, changed my life forever. And he said that the Bible, the Word of God, is absolutely true. And so he said, anything that you pray that's in line with this, you can't go wrong because it's the word of God, it's truth, it's, the, it's God's word. And so if you pray something and it's in here, then it's all okay. So why don't you just focus your prayers in on here and that'll maybe help you. And so that's what I did for a season of my life. I literally just would, any prayer meeting, any gathering I'd go to, I'd quickly find a psalm and then I would just read out the psalm word for word and say amen and that was my prayer. And then I would just start to build up in confidence, and every now and again I would ad-lib. So I'd pray like a psalm, and then I would like pray my own prayer on the back of the psalm, and just as I grew in confidence and um, had my own prayers. Um, and just, just started to grow and grow in, in that confidence, filling myself up with the Word of God, and being able to pray what's in line with this, what's God saying, and you know, my confidence could grow by being filled with, with the Bible and with the Word of God. And it was the same for prophesying, it's not just praying out, but actually bringing words to people that if it lined up with this, then it was okay. And so as again, where maybe I felt I had a word for someone, I felt I needed to encourage someone, um, I was able to revert back to the Bible and say, yeah, it's in there. And um, yeah, really, really amazing. And again, I can tell you so many stories where God showed me or gave me words of knowledge that were just um, by just chapter, verse, book, um, and I'd be able to bring that and God would help me in his grace to be able to bring the word of God to people. Um, but for, maybe for many of us here, certainly for me, the enemy would try and hold me back. The enemy understands about what we say. He understands the power of what we say. 
The enemy tries everything at his, diso- his disposal to be able to shut us up and keep us quiet. He knows that if we combine what's in our hearts with what we say and begin to speak it out, he knows that there's power in those words to bring down strongholds and to crush the powers of darkness. So like in Acts 2 verse 4, as I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I just began to speak. Whatever it was, it didn't, it, in some ways it didn't matter. It was just saying something that was in line with the heart of God and with the word of God. God created you with a mouthpiece. God created you with a voice with an instrument to express something that is in you and be able to release it into the atmosphere. That expression that's on your, in your heart, that expression that's in your thought, in your mind, allowing it to bubble up and be spoken into being. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. And as I said, not just being filled with the Holy Spirit, but continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. Continually be in the Bible. Continually be studying the Scriptures. Having it in your heart that you've got something good to speak. And so it's really important that we, we speak life and not death. We know, don't we, Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. It's so easy for us to slip into gossiping or, or uh, being deceptive, tearing something down with our words. Colossians 3 talks about us. Um, Paul says, do not slander, do not use filthy language or tell lies. James 3 tells us out of the same mouth, Out of the same mouth comes praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. I know I've had to repent for times where I have said things unkind or said things that have been hurtful and I've had to repent for those words that I've spoken. There's a statistic, should come up behind me, um, that on average an adult speaks around 16,000 words per day. That's 667 words per hour, 11 words per minute. I wonder how many of those 16,000 words on average per day are words of life or words of death. It would be interesting, wouldn't it? I don't know if there's an app out there or some some sort of spreadsheet we can do where you can be able to work out how many words we've spoken that day that have been life or have been uh, brought death. Um, But maybe try it this week. As you're talking, are are they positive, filled, faithful, hopeful words? Or are they words that can bring doubt, that can bring worry, and can allow that fear to come back in that we've heard about? So just very quickly, I want to look at two ways in which we can speak life and not speak death. Two ways we can speak life. Um, And the first way is um, speaking life over ourselves. One of the biggest traps that the enemy, I believe the enemy can catch us in, is not just the negative things we say to others, but the negative words we say to ourselves. There are many voices, there are many influences out there, but your own voice is actually one of the most influential voices that you have. There are things right now that you believe that are not true about yourself, but you've spoken them out loud. Maybe you've spoken them once. Maybe it's something that you repetitively, daily, weekly speak over yourself that are not true, but you've begun to believe them because you're hearing them. I'm not attractive. I'll never break free of this sin. I can't forgive that person for what they did. I'm an introvert, so it's okay to keep quiet. I'm a bad parent, bad husband, bad wife. I'll never overcome my weight issue. I've missed my calling in God. I'm lonely and will never find <coughs> friends or spouse. God has withdrawn from me. If you've been locked into any of these lies that have caught you in fear, these lies or any other negative words, I, want, I really want to challenge you this morning. If you've come to a realization that you are caught in a bad habit of wrong speaking, 
If the enemy has you believing untrue words about yourself, fill your hearts with the person of the Holy Spirit. Fill your hearts with the power of God. We've already started to see that happen. Maybe we'll give a bit more time at the end of this time just to stand with you once again and see you continue to break through um, from that fear where the enemy has held you back, where the enemy has had you, um, had your confession and had you speaking bad words about yourself. We want to see that um, break through. It's time to speak well of yourself. It's time to speak highly as highly favored royalty. It's time to prophesy over yourself. It's time to change your atmosphere, your environment, your circumstance with the words of life. Speak life. Speak life over yourself. Speak life. The mountains in your life, they won't move by accident. They don't move by accident. They move by speaking. So speak to your mountain this morning. Your breakthrough doesn't come by accident. It doesn't come by staying silent. It comes by praising God. So break through, um, so, so lift your voice in your breakthrough and see your breakthrough. Faith, it doesn't come by thinking. The scripture says faith comes by hearing. So speak words of faith over your life and know your, your heart being filled with faith. Let your mouth speak. There is victory in your voice as you pray and prophesy over yourself. Speak well of yourself. Speak life to yourself. And then my second point is um, speak life over others. I'll just quickly read to you for time. um, 1 Corinthians 14. um, And it says this. I'll just read from verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So we've established that um, for you to be that prophetic person, you need, a spir- you need a spirit-filled heart and a willing voice. And this is, for me, really underlined again in verse 3. The one who prophesies speaks to people. Speaks to people. Um, so it doesn't say the one who prophesies writes a comment on Facebook. It doesn't say the one who prophesies tweets or the one who prophesies sends a text. The one who prophesies thinks well of them or wishes them well, even prays for them. Now, I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. Um, what I am saying is there is something powerful in speaking to people, in looking them in the eye, physically standing with them and speaking words of life over them. Being able to speak encouragement to them. Maybe they're facing a hard situation. Maybe they're not. Just being able to speak life and speak encouragement. It requires actually to be with them. It isn't very deep, um, is it really? Just being able to communicate with someone. Be with them. And be able to communicate face to face. Have the eye contact and speak the word of life. And speak a word of um, faith. And this is something that I've really grown in in marriage. Um, be 12 years in August. This month, yeah, 12 years, just checking. Um, and earlier on, I, I really couldn't share my feelings. Um, I could not communicate. It wasn't that I chose not to. I literally could not share um, my feelings. It's something I just, I couldn't do. It's something I couldn't sp- speak. Um, <clears throat> so when I was really, um, when I would get upset with Rosie or upset with something else, um, my default would be just to bottle it in and to go in- into my man cave. Now, I'm not going to ask the men to put their hands up in the air, but I'm sure I'm not the only one who's got a man cave. My man cave. 
I've had a few moments there where it's dark, it's cold, it can be miserable, but it's safe from vulnerability. It's safe, or so I thought. And I realized it wasn't going well for our marriage. I had to quickly learn it was not okay to not just think about how upset I was. I actually had to say something to Rosie and communicate and share my feelings. Come out of my man cave of insecurity and allow those vulnerable aspects of my heart to be spoken out. I couldn't just do it all by myself. And so for that unity, that connection in our marriage to work, I had to speak what was on my heart and be able to communicate with Rosie. Um, I believe that prophecy is an ambassador for unity. If I want a strong marriage, if we want strong friendships, if we want strong relationships, if we want strong families, we have to speak life into them. We don't prophesy over one another to gain influence over each other, but from a place of love and a place of compassion, we speak to people words of life. And where the enemy can try and divide us, the enemy can try and keep us in fear and keep us locked in, God comes and he helps us. The spirit of unity comes. It talks about us in Ephesians 4, that spirit of unity, eagerly pursue that spirit of unity because we know that one way of locking out the lies and the deceits of the enemy, locking out where the enemy tries to keep us in fear, keep us down, keep us depressed, is to try and divide us. But actually we need one another to speak life, speak encouraging, speak um, strengthening, speak comfort to one another. And if we do that, you know, that's a fantastic way of um, getting rid of that fear that can hold us back. And we read, we've read already 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, follow the way of love. So this whole section on prophecy starts with follow the way of love, having love for one another, having care for one another and speaking from that place. Um, not waiting for a chance to contribute on a Sunday morning or contribute at Connect Group. There are fantastic outlets in speaking to each other. But what are we speaking in the everyday? What are we saying to each other in the everyday? There are all types and various communities that we're, each and every one of us are a part of. Whatever that community is for you, maybe it's in your workplace community, your school ground community, your neighborhood community, your church community, whatever community that is, you can bring unity into that community by speaking life to people. Who can you speak life to this week? Amen. So with those that speak life and not death, and we can do that by speaking life over ourselves, and we can do that by speaking life to others. And the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So our hearts being filled with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the word of, word of God, and out of that, we can command fear to go. Out of that, we can see the works of the enemy dissipate, and we can walk in that freedom, and we can walk in the love that God has for us. Amen. Amen. Amen.